Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. I am your host, Travis Ryans. Joining me is a co-host once again, Mike Deneen. How are you, Mike? I'm fantabulous, Travis. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a little while since our last episode. We took a week mm-hmm. off uh, on top of our usual two. Uh, spent that time trying to beat a behemoth of an RPG, which we will get into in a little bit. Emphasis on trying. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into it. Uh, joining us once again is Eitan Shalman, a uh, performer, a lovely person. And we're so excited to have him back. Aton, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well. I'm now a professional, lovely person. I like that. <laughs> I'll put that on my special skills. Joining us for the first time is Faustine Pelipel, uh, an audio editor that I have known for many years, and I'm so excited that she's able to join us. Faustine, how you doing? Hello, Travis. I am doing quite well. Really excited to be part of this chat because, you know, I can go on forever about Final Fantasy. <laughs> Yes, we are here to talk Final Fantasy VII. We have been waiting so many years to talk about this version of the game. So let's dive in. Final Fantasy VII is a JRPG originally released by Square in 1997. Square had become juggernauts of the Japanese role-playing game genre already, but with their seventh official entry into the Final Fantasy series, they had cemented themselves as the first and sometimes only name some people recognized in the genre. The visuals were groundbreaking at the time, with a sweeping score, vibrant characters, and bringing their fantastical story into a more modern setting. It had long been a series favorite, and in 2015 was announced that Square Enix was working on a remake of the game so incredibly ambitious that it would make the entire industry question all future uses of the word remake. The game finally released earlier this year and has been extremely divisive amongst fans, including the ones we have here today. If you're unfamiliar with the series, almost every Final Fantasy game is a unique story that does not require you to have played all the previous entries to understand any of the plot. We will be focused on the remake today, and we will be spoiling the entire game, and likely also the original as well, as it will be impossible to discuss one without the other. So, getting into it, we'll start with you, Mike. What is your history with the Final Fantasy series as a whole? Like, did you play 7? Did you play any of the other games? The first exposure to Final Fantasy that I ever had was um, Final Fantasy 1 for the original Nintendo. Oh, the OG. The OG Final Fantasy. So, yeah, that, that was sort of my first intro. And then, you know, I think the, some of the, the ones in the middle, like 2 and 3, were more popular in Japan and stuff. So, I don't think... Until Final Fantasy VII original came out and then just dominated the pop culture zeitgeist in terms of like nerd fandom and stuff. Um, but I, I kind of missed out on that trend. Like I never I never played it because I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. But I think that I played Final Fantasy nine, ten, ten two, and eleven, and then I dropped off the series um, because I was busy adulting. Uh, so this has been like a fun return to the game. <laughs> Eitan, I know that this is a game that you love, Final Fantasy VII. Um, You've played a lot of the Final Fantasies, yeah? I've played tons of them, yeah. A friend showed it to me when I was like 10 or 11, and it immediately, like hooked me and that was kind of my in for video games in general like I played a little bit of GoldenEye a little bit of some N64 stuff but I wasn't really a gamer until my friend showed me Final Fantasy 7 and then I've just been hooked and since then yeah I've played 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, 12, 13, and 15. Wow okay so we have our expert here. I, I one of them. <laughs> you are you're the Final yeah. Fantasy aficionado of of in the room. I could tell you anything about those games. Well, yeah. I don't I don't know. So, Festine, what are your notches on your Final Fantasy bedpost? Oof, 
All right, are we flexing? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm usually the clueless one, so I had to I had to stake my claim. No, that's fair. You should. Um, I think prior to seven, the only video games I was really playing was you know on handheld consoles like a Game Boy, right? I was like really into Pokemon, so it was really just like my first kind of huge introduction to the whole world of video games. But was really enamored by the story of it. I was like, I was a nerdy kid. I was really into like fantasy and sci-fi. I think I read Lord of the Rings, like the entire trilogy when I was like 11 years old. So it's kind of like similar in terms of like, you know, having a massive world. I feel like one of the amazing things about the Final Fantasy series, which you, you just touched upon, is really the world building is incredible. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. They're so well fleshed out. They're so robust. There's like lots of like little mini stories happening all around you. It just creates a really wonderful experience in terms of gameplay. Um, even though the sheer like scope and size of the game can sometimes be, Oh my God. Did you guys, it's, it's, it's a behemoth of a video game. And it's only the first part of that game. And it's yeah. only the first part. So it, I, you know, it's crazy to me. So someone was saying, I hear that's not even the full, like, first disc of the original game. It's, like, not even the first half of disc one is what the remake is. Yeah, I think it's, like, the first six hours alone of the gameplay. It's crazy. This is, like, the war and peace of video games, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Where is my HD remake of War and Peace? I need it. (laughs) The length of this game alone uh, is just incredible. So did you guys... Did you guys beat the the remake in, entirely? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Oh, you guys! You know, now I'm feeling like the kid in class who like didn't finish the book for the book report. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I got I got to chapter to nine. I just I just beat the weird demon house that you face. Oh, hell stuff. In yeah. Wal Walmartville. Yeah. Wait. Walmart. Uh, Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. Thank you. Not not Walmart. Um, <laughs> they're rolling back enemies or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, well, I didn't complete all of the. Uh, you get a bunch of VR missions um, that are only available on hard mode, and I didn't beat all of that. So. Right, and that, that is to say, like yeah. the VR missions you go into with Chadley, not like a, it doesn't give you like a VR like Oculus headset. <laughs> no. Thing. And okay, no, just just making sure. Um, Travis, how, did you you beat the game? Obviously, uh, just barely uh, today. Um, I, I scrambled cause I actually, I got stuck on a boss battle. I gave it to Aeson to play, got it back from him this week and was like, oh shit, I got to finish that before we do the podcast. <laughs> um, I've had a, a sort of in and out relationship with Final Fantasy. I played, uh, number nine, still my favorite. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of like Final Fantasy adjacent stuff. Like I've played Bravely Default, uh, which I love. And I've played Kingdom Hearts, which you guys probably know that I am a desperate fan of. What you... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, I don't own every game several times over. Uh, so yeah, I, I was very excited to go back and play this and see what I had missed with Final Fantasy VII because I know it is, you know, just almost heresy to have not played the original. For sure. Uh, let's let's get to the question that everyone wants to know, which is, uh, which character would you guys want to bone the most? <laughs> Damn. All right. Bigs. Absolutely Bigs. Oh yeah, Bigs in the remake. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, I, and I've, I've said it before on the show. I like big boys and uh, I'm, 
I like Wedge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he, good old Wedge. He just he seemed like friendly and kind of non threatening and just very, you know, just nice. So. <laughs> he's a nice boy. Yeah. Nice yeah. So you really enjoyed the fact that there was an entire scene dedicated to everyone staring at his ass. I certainly <laughs> did. I, I'm looking so I'm I I recently uh became fun employed, uh, which is being unemployed but like having fun with it. And I realized that Cloud is just much more employable than I am on the whole. <laughs> Uh, he just like everyone wants to get him to do jobs, and I'm I'm kind of just playing this game, being like, well, "What the fuck do I need? If I need yeah. to carry a big fucking sword, I guess." And yeah, I'm trying to think about all these people who have no money are throwing money at Cloud to find cats yeah. and shit. Just yeah. everything, and they're paid. They're paid gigs. Yep. <laughs> I'll find your cat. Shit. What the crap? Yeah. Has anyone sat down to like think about the equivalent currency conversion? What a gill is to a dollar. Right? And yeah. like how much they're actually paying him just what? to do all these things? So you got to convert Damn. it through yen first before you get it to the right. Canadian yes, dollar. Of course. And Good point. That note, so did you guys play the English or the Japanese version? English oh, I English. Version. Yeah. yeah, same. So I switched it to Japanese, uh, and I I don't really regret you it because I I'm not though I'm not I'm not a weeb I'm not a weeb but I just like <laughs> some of the because di- it's okay the game's from 1997 the original right and I feel like they were trying to be true to form it it just like some of it was so stilted to me that I I was like I feel like I would enjoy this more in Japanese you know the funny thing about that is like the original uh, Final Fantasy VII in Japanese from what I understand was so badly written though there were just things that didn't make sense so when it was being translated to english it was kind of like this huge undertaking just because there were things in the original mm-hmm. japanese that were iffy so i find that interesting that you would um yeah you would make that choice well the original of this was all a convoluted mess that didn't make any sense let's get tetsuya nomura of all people <laughs> to do the remake that's that's our choice for that yeah, yeah. oh you want unintelligible yeah, professor oh. of unintelligible at the helm. Confusion is in these days. It really is. So. Oh my god. So who's this guy you're referring to? Is professor unintelligible? Okay. All right. This is this is happening. All right. Strap me in. All right. So <laughs> it's go time for Tetsuya Nomura. Nomura-san is the <laughs> character designer from the original Final Fantasy VII. He started as a monster designer in Final Fantasy. He got upgraded to character designer for Final Fantasy VII and then kept working his way up through the ranks mm-hmm. and is now the head of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and he has a style of storytelling <laughs> that is very timey-wimey, Mess with reality, throw everything at the player and retcon it all later if it doesn't make sense. And I love Kingdom Hearts. I do. I I love it with all my heart. It is silly, weird, off the wall, random cartoony crap that I love. Mm That does not fit in Midgar. Mm-hmm. It does not work in Midgar at all. <laughs> and it really bothers me. But I don't want to take up this whole podcast with me ranting about Tetsuya Nomura. Okay. So. All right. But thank you for the, the info. And but you, Travis, you also mentioned you do have very strong feelings about Final Fantasy VII. So I, let's get into some of those feelings. What I really loved um, about it was that it was actually trying to blend that action style gameplay with turn-based combat. That's something they have been dabbling with for a while. Final Fantasy VII originally had like that 
um, time gauge that needed to fill up before you can make an attack. They've sort of really hit a new height with it, with this. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Trying to plan several moves ahead, constantly flipping between characters. Because, I mean, your party members in Kingdom Hearts do not matter. Donald and Goofy do not matter. They don't do anything. <laughs> no. Uh, they are actually in your way most of the time. I've seen a Goofy movie, so like I, I understand how he could just be in the way. So. <laughs> Whereas this, you need all of your party members, and you are constantly flipping between them to keep up the strategy, and I loved it. You know, it has a kind of a learning curve to it, but once mm-hmm. you kind of understand the flow, you could do a lot of stuff with it. It was really fun. It kept the flow of battle really interesting, and also, I only realized like maybe yesterday that I can flee battles, too. Like I was like, oh, Oh, I can just run away and then I can <laughs> charge up again. Um, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah so I, I I really liked it. Uh, I felt like I was playing one game and then the third act hit and I was playing a completely different game that Tetsuya Nomura had just decided to design for himself and that he grafted onto the other game. And that was completely different. Mm. Um, okay, so Aton, what did you think of the game? The game in general, I liked, I, I, I liked it about 80%. I, I totally agree. I loved the gameplay. I loved the battle system. It kept certain things from the original game while still making something new out of it. It started the same way at the train station. And I was just getting this like rush of um, nostalgia. And everything was all good to go until those fucking ring wraith death eater bullshit <laughs> things. Dementors. <laughs> Azkaban looking motherfuckers. Hmm. <laughs> That's new. I do not remember those things flying <laughs> around. What is happening? And then I was just like, man, eh, just just go with it. And you can't cast a Patronus or anything either. So. No, no, no. Cloud Cloud does not have a wand. Uh, there's no there's no Patronus material. The Patronus requires happy memories, of which Cloud has none. No, he no. just has PTSD flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> My experience throughout the game was was like happiness, nostalgia, fun, fun, fun. What the fuck is happening? Uh, just go with it. Fun, fun, fun. Wait, that's not right. Uh, whatever. Fun. So that's kind of how it was for me. Okay, cool. Uh, what about you, Festine? Loved it. Um, absolutely loved it. With some hesitations. <laughs> Gameplay was amazing. Um, just technically, like, the game was super fun to play. Um and it made me realize what I missed a lot about older RPGs, actually taking that time and to figure out strategy and such. So that was awesome. Like loved every minute of every battle that I did. Yeah, the the whispers, I think is what they're called. Mm-hmm. Once I started realizing what they were all about, I was a little hesitant. <laughs> I was conflicted about how I felt about them because I could sense that they were trying to go for a huge change mm-hmm. i couldn't really point my finger as to what exactly it was i just don't yet. know if they know knowing tetsuya nomura i would say no he doesn't right he figures this shit up on the spot and then figures out how to make it make sense later like mickey having his shirt off <laughs> in kingdom hearts apparently we needed a scene to explain that 10 games later why mickey didn't have a shirt wait so we get to see his nipples <laughs> I just, I just want to be clear. I just want. What, to what is Kingdom Hearts rated again? Uh, <laughs> no, I, it's. I was initially furious upon completing the game, but I was doing a lot of reading and listening to just discussions and theories, and I kind of changed my mind around, and I'm pretty excited about what could possibly happen. You really flipped 180. I did, yeah. Uh, For anyone who has not played the original Final Fantasy VII, it's revealed that these whispers are coming from 
the original 1997 game to make sure that the plot continues again as it did in the 1997 game. They're the arbiters of fate, and they're trying to make sure that the timeline stays on the path of the original and doesn't stray. Because Sephiroth has employed them sort of now as a trick to get Cloud to kill them to make sure that the timeline does not stay intact because Sephiroth knows that he's going to lose because that's how the original game ended and he doesn't want to lose. So I had not played it and I was so lost and confused. (laughs) Okay, so is the game pulling like a Zelda thing where like it's like the hero of time has like come back again in like another iteration? None of it is clear, which is really bugs me. Tetsuya thinks that he's very clever with these things and like the only hint that we're in an alternate timeline other than being told that we're killing fate is that a chip bag flies in front of the camera with a slightly different cartoon dog on it ah uh, yes and that's literally it like i guess nothing... subtlety sometimes gets lost in translation well there's a the whole thing about I... zach i mean that's a pretty big but it, yeah. it doesn't, it's not really clear it just shows that he's yeah. walking towards midgar well i mean like again for anyone that hasn't played the original game they would have no fucking idea who zach is yep. and True. why he knows cloud yeah, none of this makes sense Sephiroth is not explained. So when I played it, I didn't know any of this about the timey-wimey stuff. I was like, you had a story that was really capturing me about corporate greed and capitalism and anti-environmentalism. And I was so engaged and I was so here for it. And in the last act, they have completely abandoned the corporate plot line. None of it matters anymore. And we're taking on fate Like, we're taking on destiny itself, Mm -hmm. and Sephiroth is just here. I have no idea who he is, or how he's connected to the plot, or what he wants, what his goals as a villain are. Like, none of it's explained, and I was so angry. I think what happened was they decided to make the first part end at this spot, where we don't get a sense of where the story is going with, like, this larger picture. Mm -hmm. They felt Mm -hmm. like they needed to introduce Sephiroth now which I think took away from the strong story that they had going on. Mm-hmm. If you need to post-game do hours of research just to understand what you experienced for 40-plus hours, then the narrative is a failure, personally. I completely agree mm-hmm. with you. Like, what is there I love once I understand it. And I love the concept that like they're trying to keep it fresh and interesting for the old fans of the game and they don't want you to know what's going to happen. Like I love all that as an idea, but none of it is explained. <laughs> none yeah. of it. So I like an Inception ending where you can debate about it and you can discuss it for hours on end. But if you have to do research to even fathom what is going on, I agree with Aton. I think it's a failure. Like, I, well, you I, heard it here, folks. Final Fantasy is a, is a failure. You don't have to listen to any more of the show. We, we we've come to our conclusion. Uh, that's that's the episode. Thank you, everyone, for oh your time. Good night. It's a tough balance because if you're going to remake this game that everyone loves, you know you should put something new into it, do make some changes. Mm-hmm. But at the same, if you get too crazy with it, then wh- like, where's the line that it stops being? the game that you loved from 1997. Like, is this a remake? Honestly, is this a remake? It's more like a... It's a retelling. Yeah, it's more like a J.J. Abrams Star Trek, if that makes sense. Like... I didn't notice any lens flare. (laughs) Well, I think remake's so accurate. I think what a lot of people were expecting was more of a remaster of the game. Right. Yeah. Right? So... I'm sounding incredibly critical lately, but, like, I... uh, Just for the record, I really enjoyed the game. I just... The ending and the final boss was so 
confusing to me that um, it just left me feeling very conflicted by the end. But like for the most part, I really enjoyed playing the game. So I just want, uh, before everyone uh, sends me hate mail, I just want to say I liked it. <laughs> I really enjoyed playing it. I'm just very confused. Atan, he just hated the game. As soon as he ran into Moggy in the children's village, he was like, furries infiltrating this game. <laughs> failure i mean you say furries you didn't even meet the furry character that comes in at the end no i got the i got the fat Eh. chocobo materia though yeah and that's that's all you need (laughs) what's the furry that comes in at the end uh it's i mean red 13 is total furry bait this weird kind of like don't do am i wrong tell me i'm wrong (laughs) i never thought of it that way all these years you're the one sexualizing him travis not me i don't know what's happening right now he's got muscles all these years i've never looking with a mohawk and like missing an eye and i don't know he is a good boy no (laughs) (laughs) my poor innocent mind okay (laughs) well that brings us to the characters of the game which are definitely a strong point i would say uh except for some of them like (laughs) rosh who was like a total weirdo the guy on the motorcycle yeah what the fuck wow that's that is a flavor of personality i never hope to run into in in real life I do kind of hope to see him again and that they do something more with him, which would kind of explain. No, he was nuts. <laughs> he, <laughs> was, he was bonkers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like if they're going to introduce a character like that, I would mm-hmm. kind of hope that they do something more with him, especially if he is a soldier. Well, absolutely. He just sort of appeared. They can't just plop him in for 10 minutes and never see him again, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. What I do hope happens is that or it's a lot more prominent to me in the remake that there's a lot more talk about what becoming a soldier um, does to your body. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, with the Mako and the eyes, and he gets all he gets all cool eyed. Yeah, I kind of hope that like they do something connected to that with Rosh and like why maybe he's a little unhinged. <laughs> That's kind mm-hmm. of my hope. Might have broken his brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of like a Wolverine and uh, yeah, Sabretooth. It kind of reminds me of that where it's like you have this kind of like stoic soldier type who's undergone an experiment and then you have this like counterpart who's like just really wacky and unhinged and sort of aggressive yeah i guess Mm -hmm. that's true also cloud strife as a character i mean i i get that guy you know i i get him he's he's kind of cynical a bit of a lone wolf you know i can relate to that who's your favorite character actually overall i i really like what they did with all of the main characters frankly i thought um they really fleshed out their personalities more yeah i thought tifa was a badass but she was also sensitive and she was conflicted like i thought she was fantastic cloud was a little one-dimensional at the start of the game until you kind of peeled back the layers yeah but that gives him a place to go to He, he gets to grow right yeah absolutely so i really like what they did with all of the characters i thought um once Cloud and Aerith meet up and um, you sort of get to know Aerith, uh, I remember Kevin turned to me and it was like, Aerith is, she's annoying. And I was like, Oh my God, she's <laughs> so annoying. Thank God. But, uh, I wasn't going to, I thought she had an endearing quality to her, but yes, a little bit of no, the manic pixie dream. No, mm. she's so <laughs> irritating. This like annoying flower girl playing at coy, like, <laughs> on top of that she does like almost nothing in battle at first chapter eight i think was just such a drag because it was like <laughs> hey here's this shitty character who's gonna do almost nothing and oh by the way you have a million quests to do around town <laughs> and i had chores to do at home <laughs> just for that i'm gonna say that my favorite character was was Aerith. <laughs> Ah, yes, Oh, boy. No, I felt like she did come across, or I found her annoying in the original. 
but in the remake, they really updated her and I found her nothing but endearing. Up- so. Updated her how? So what? <laughs> <laughs> in what, Damn. In what way? I mean, I don't know if it was like mostly what the voice actress was doing. I don't know. I actually agree with Faustine, to be honest. I think that her writing is a little weak, mm-hmm. but I like her performance so much that it really sells me on it. Mm. Because I, as Aton said, I think she walks dangerously close to Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Maybe a little light on the Manic, but so heavy on the Pixie Dream Girl that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, I really loved her performance so much that it, she really won me over. Yeah. The only part where I was a little kind of rolling my eyes was when Cloud's having a, a dream or a vision of Aerith or something, and she's saying to him, you know, you're not allowed to fall in love with me. Uh, and I'm boy. like, okay, sure, get over yourself. <laughs> My eyes can't yeah. roll hard but enough. But you have to understand, Aerith, even in the original, was like as flirty as that. Like, she did not hold back. But they already have Jesse for that. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so Jesse is, is a much cooler character. And, okay, Aerith, do you remember the part? She falls, Cloud catches her, and she literally says... My hero. Oh, yeah. And I just oh. groaned. I was like, oh, my God. Maybe I'm just so biased at this point. Well, I'm sorry. They made Jesse thirsty in this oh, one. Oh, my really God. Did. It's like, girl, have a little dignity. Get off his buster sword for two seconds. Okay, question. Do we think that Jesse, based on the remake, is straight or... She could go either way. I guess she could go either way, but like the way she was thirsting over Cloud, though, I'm just like, well, there goes that. <laughs> you I, know? Don't, I don't know that anyone is straight in this game. Yeah. Honestly, You're right. I don't You're know right. that anyone is. No, what about big gun guy? What's his name? Barrett? Barrett, Barrett yeah. He's, he's got bear in his name. Well, I don't oh, think he's straight. Uh, you think he's, uh, he's on Grinder on the down low? It's more scruff. Oh, absolutely. Scruff, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got to keep it on the down low for Marlene, you know, for her sake, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He pulls. Well, I'm sure Hayden Wedge have a thing mm. going on. Well, if we remember his backstory, it's a possibility, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the queerness of the game, there's the one scene that we have to talk about. We, we can't be Rainbow Road, a podcast about queerness in gaming, and not talk about the Honeybee Inn. Ugh. Oh, my God. Yes. Now, for somebody who played the original game and is very much like a purist into like respecting the original game, I loved what they did with the honeybee in <laughs> my jaw hit the floor during that dance sequence and i was into it yeah 100 oh my god just a few chapters earlier cloud is going like no i don't dance but then he full-on pulls off a whole dance mm-hmm. number yeah. my only complaint about that gameplay wise is the fact that trying to follow the little light running around the screen doing the ddr thing mm. meant that i couldn't watch the characters and I didn't get to appreciate the actual dance itself. Right, so the yeah. second it was over, I paused the game and watched it on YouTube again so that I could actually like appreciate what I just saw. Yeah. Because I was so concentrated on nailing it because like, I don't know, I'm sure you don't get punished for failing it, but I'm a gamer and I got to do it right. But um, oh my God, that whole scene. And I think my favorite bit of all of it is Andrea Rodea literally saying to him something along the lines of, you're too beautiful for gender. And I was just like, work. Yes, I love it. Queer everything, Square Enix. Because, like, we both know Sora and Riku are gay, but you're not allowed to say it in a Disney game. So just do it here. <laughs> or Kyrie, the eternal beard. Oh, 100%. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool that remake culture allows us to queer up some characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I certainly thought there was something between Tifa and Aerith, you know, 
Like mm-hmm. Cloud can have Jesse. She clearly wants him. But. Right. I, and I, I feel like that does bring us to another interesting part about this game is the themes that are involved in how it was put together uh, really mm-hmm. make for an excellent experience. Mm-hmm. It starts off on the premise of environmentalism. It deals with social stratification. Um, so you have mm-hmm. the people who are, who are literally living above. <laughs> they couldn't spell it out more clearly. Uh, just having uh, this heterogeneous sort of social divide. Uh, and then, you know, you've got, um, racism against the Turks. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I feel, I feel kind of attacked. No, I'm just kidding. Cause the Turks are the, the, <laughs> the Turks are kind of uh, the assassins or whatever the, yeah, it was a weird, yeah. na- it was a weird name choice for the organization back in 97. <laughs> strange, strange yeah. choice. Cause there's also, you get to this one part and this is the one guy who I just couldn't beat. I fought him like 12 times was mm-hmm. the, was the rude Turk. And I, and I just thought, well, wow, this is just really <laughs> um, the one boss that um, it took me several tries to finally beat was Leviathan. No, the Leviathan I didn't even song. try it. That one was a little challenging. But Travis, you to- like you told me that you were having tr- trouble on some other bosses, and I it, I have no no shade, but I was a little bit like, really? Oh no, Shiva? there was shade. But you looked straight at me and went, "You're playing on normal." Really? <laughs> Like, there was absolutely like, shade. Don't Shiva pretend. And the monster boss in the underground, like, science lab. I was like, really? I'm not good, okay? <laughs> Travis, don't worry. I, I feel you. I'm, I, let him have his moment. <laughs> Yay. I would say that my favorite boss battle would have been, I think it's called the Airbuster or something. It's when you're going to take on the reactor. It's not even the boss battle itself. It's the buildup. It's the hype. Getting to choose what pieces of the boss you're going to take apart oh, the components. Um, and yeah. completing mm-hmm. kind of shitty mini games for some of them but still completing oh. mini games to like take apart that, pieces that of the boss vault lock lever timing thing oh my oh. god I had to do that I like know. a million times frustrating but it's in the original so I didn't care <laughs> <laughs> even if it sucked in the first one I'll like it because it was in the first one mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that air buster he was he was air busting my balls oh. yeah wow <laughs> you want <laughs> there. Festine, what about you? What was your favorite boss battle? I don't know about favorite, but I think the one that gave me some difficulty was Hell House. But I think that was because I thought I was doing pretty well in terms of figuring out a strategy going with it. But Hell House just wouldn't end as fast as I wanted it to. Yeah, so. it is a drawn out fight for sure. And you're stuck with Aerith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're right. Oh, fuck. In terms of like favorite between um, Reno and Rufus. Oh. I just found those fights a lot of fun. I hated Rufus. Me too. That's another one that really pissed me off was Rufus. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> um, the assess material is really useful though. I feel like that that was that moment that made me start using that a lot more. Well, oh, see, yeah. this is the oh, thing. Yeah. I, I'm a little grumpy about it because... For a game that values strategy so much and the elemental weaknesses are such a huge chunk of the strategy... It really bothers me that you cannot switch Mm -hmm. them mid-battle. So I need to run in, hit assess on what the enemy is, and then turn off my game, reload a save file from before the boss, and then plan out my strategy, which is just so clunky and a waste of my time. Yeah, Yeah, it's frustrating when you use assess and it's like, this opponent is weak to wind. And it's like, well, golly gee, I wish I had known that five (laughs) seconds ago so I could equip it. Yeah, you just got to pimp out all your weapons and just uh, have as many materia slots as possible and then just just load them up. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. at least in the original and other RPGs, you can kind of get a sense of what the weaknesses 
for the boss would be, but I don't know if I got that sense in this one, in the remake. Yeah. I don't know if anyone paid attention to that. Uh, I was busy looking at all the gorgeous graphics as mm-hmm. the battles were happening, really. It's so pretty. It's like fireworks on the screen when anytime you're fighting someone. Yes. I will say the ice spell is incredibly annoying. Um, just the delay? Yeah, just the fact that it, it misses a lot. And I'm like, excuse me, yeah. magic isn't supposed to miss. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, ugh. I love the battle system. Me too. And so many of the monsters made cameos in this one like that uh, were in the original. So uh, here I am again, praising it for using stuff from the original. (laughs) I think what I enjoyed about the gameplay for the remake is that because it's more of an action style, um, you have to really get the timing right. And I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think you can kind of cancel out animations depending on the combinations of moves that you do, especially for Mm -hmm. like someone like Tifa, close range battling and all that stuff. So... I do appreciate that. Totally. You're a much better gamer than me because I didn't learn any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I geeked out really hard on this game. It's like it's I don't usually go this far into a game, but for this I had to. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm I'm so glad. I that's awesome. Mike also touched on a really great point, which was the um the theming of a lot of the story. And a lot of people were saying when they were watching the trailers that they were really concerned about, oh, they're gonna make it political. Um I did not play the original. I would be very surprised if the political messaging that's in it wasn't in the original. But from the two players that did play it, I mean, what, what did you guys think? Uh, starting with Festine, like, do you feel like they really shoved some ham-fisted imagery into this? Or do you feel like this has already been a part of the series? It's already been a huge part of the series. Um, I don't think I understood it as much when I first played the game because I was fairly young. But it didn't feel like they were trying to shove any ideas or lessons or whatever down our throats or my throat mm-hmm. at least because it's still so relevant it's the same from mm-hmm. in the original to to now yeah our culture has not changed enough for it to have become less relevant unfortunately still fighting the same fight <laughs> since 1997 yeah, yeah I, well i think that the, especially the environmentalism I, you're right it's not it's not too ham-fisted it's it's more of like an ambient theme and also hmm. the protection of things is has always been a part of the final fantasy themes you're you're usually protecting something yeah that is true it could be more environmentally oriented like in the final fantasy 7 game or it, like it could just be like protect the world you know yeah uh, Travis, how did you feel about it? I mean, I, I knew the general idea of uh, the original, and I thought it was very interesting that they, you know, especially with Barrett, they do try to remind you of the human cost of what will be necessary to make radical changes to this. And I, I, I still think it was necessary. I mean, I'm not an eco-fascist. I don't think that we need to curb overpopulation to solve our problems. Uh, but I think if we want change, it will need to be ripped from the people in power. They will not give it up willingly under any circumstances. For sure. This is so not my place to say, but they kind of made Barrett the angry black woman stereotype. But also he's right. We can't kill the planet this way. It sucks that some people will have to give up their comforts and their privileges in some way in order for that to happen. But if you are complicit in this system, you need to be acknowledging that and know that you will need to make some changes yourself. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sorry, I'm going on a rant here. But, uh, no, no, yeah, well, I, said. Oh, yeah. well said. I really like the game for addressing these issues and going hard with it and willing to acknowledge the, you know, the harsher truth of what's going to need to happen in order for us to save ourselves, but in a way that doesn't, you know, well, they were the bad guys too, you know, like, I I like that they're being very kind of naked and honest about that. I I was really impressed. And anyone who complains that it's politics or shoved in their game can 
shove it themselves as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Travis loves all the nudity in the game. I mean, <laughs> you didn't even get to, what would you call it? The, I guess the prostitution scene. You didn't even get that far, Mike. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited and thrilled because I, I, yeah, I intend to, to keep playing through the game because it's, it's quite fun. I give it, a, give it a solid 9 out of 10. You wouldn't give it a Final Fantasy 7 out of 10? But, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, well, maybe just because of Aerith uh, alone. But, uh, <laughs> I'm offended. You just could take one last shot at Faustine before we go, don't you? <laughs> I respect your choice. I really do. Um, <laughs> um I will say one last thing before we go. Mike, when you get to the part where they start talking about a hand massage, don't cheap out. <laughs> I, you know what? I didn't have enough money. Uh, and, I was, and I really wanted the luxury treatment. Travis, I really did. But I, I, I had not but 2,000 and change gill. I was just short. So I had to get the standard treatment. And, you know, she comes into the room and she's like, you get what you pay for. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> She just took a fish and slapped your hand with it. That was all. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my hand got cornobbled real good. Uh, so, Aitan, do, do you still feel like uh, this game is a failure? Is that... <laughs> He's going to quote him on that. I said the narrative at the end is a failure for me, but the gameplay is not. I'm just teasing. I love you, Aitan. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, it is Rainbow Road's advice that you tip your sex workers. Absolutely. Uh <laughs> Having said that. Good PSA. Uh, I think that is going to wrap up our discussion for Final Fantasy VII Remake for today. Before we go, we do like to ask one question before everyone leaves. Hey, Mike, what you playing? I'm going to keep on playing Final Fantasy VII. Travis, how about you? Um, I have been playing a lot of Fall Guys. Um, I am obsessed with Fall Guys. It's a physical game show like Takeshi's Castle, MXC, Wipeout, American Gladiators, that kind of thing. 60 people are dropped in and only one person can win. It is silly and light and fun and I absolutely love it. Um, Aton, what you playing? Uh, right now, I am playing Mass Effect 3 and uh, mixing that up with a little bit of Fall Guys, a little bit of Overwatch. And uh, you let me Spider-Man, so I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, that's a good game. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard good things. Yeah, I'm excited. Nice. And Faustine, what you playing? Ooh, well, I'm hoping to dig into The Last of Us 2. Yes. But before that, I'm trying to finally finish Life is Strange 2. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. This has been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see you again next time. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Aton, thanks for coming back. We always love having you. Well, thanks for having me yet again. <laughs> of course. And Faustine, thank you for joining us. I'm really hoping we can have you on for other episodes as well. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. even Life is Strange too. We'll see. Yeah, oh, definitely. That would be great. Yeah, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. All right, this has been Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at Rainbow Road Podcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road. <laughs>